Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Folks, this is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And uh, we hate to report this. It, it happens far, far too often. But uh, right now they are saying that at UNC Chapel Hill, there is an active shooter situation going on there uh, at the moment. So, so, yeah, we have a report. Yeah, authorities at Chapel Hill are issuing warnings for students after reports of an armed and dangerous person being on or near the campus. I'm getting this report from WCCB. There are plenty out there to choose from, but it's still a developing story. Reports say shots have been fired. Chapel Hill transit buses have been stopped. Police activity has been reported near Stadium Drive at South Road in Chapel Hill. That area has been blocked by numerous police. The final sentence is this, that the students have been told to shelter in place and avoid windows. Again, shelter in place in, Ch- in Chapel Hill and to avoid windows. This is a developing story. We will do our best to develop uh, to update you on any of the development notes that might be taking place. Hopefully, everybody's going to be okay as much as possible in Chapel Hill. Thoughts, prayers, every good wishes that you could possibly send their way. Hopefully, everybody stays safe in Chapel Hill right now with an active shooter in place. Again, shelter in place as well. Can't stress that enough. Make sure you are safe if you are listening, and then tell a friend if they might not know about it at the uh, immediate time because we just got this update probably about five minutes ago. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And like I said, you just hate to report it. goes on far too often. So as Walker said, we would definitely uh, – Uh, keep you up to date as much as we can while we are on the air. Now we're going to move on to uh, Team Week talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. And your biggest heartbreaks. the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. What a start for the Gamecocks! And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks, that definitely makes you feel like you are in Williams-Brice Stadium right there. That is a very, very lit crowd, but their head coach is Shane Beamer. He was named their 36th head coach on December 6th of 2020, and in his first two seasons, he has defeated three coaches who have won national championships, whether you talk about Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Sweeney, or Mac Brown. Now, he had a successful first season in Columbia. He improved the Gamecocks by three and a half games from a two and eight mark in 2020 to a seven and six campaign in 2020. 
21, including a convincing win over North Carolina and the Duke's Mayo Bowl. He tied the school record for wins by a first-year head coach. He doubled the preseason's expected win total and surpassed the win total of the previous two seasons combined, earning him a share of the Steve Spurrier First-Year Coach of the Year Award. And in 2022, the team again exceeded expectations by recording eight wins, including three wins over ranked opponents. They won eight games for just the 15th time in 129 seasons and for the first time since 2017. They were ranked 23rd in the country in the final AP and USA Today coaches poll. Marked the first time since 2013 that the Gamecocks finished the season ranked in the top 25 and the 10th time Carolina has finished the season ranked in the final AP poll. They took out number five Tennessee and number seven Clemson in the final two games of the regular season. The first time Carolina has posted back-to-back wins over top ten teams in the seventh time in history that a school has defeated AP top ten opponents in consecutive weeks as an unranked team. First time since 2003, and with a 15 and 11 mark, Beamer has matched Joe Morrison, Steve Spurrier, and Will Muschamp for the most wins by a head football coach in his first two seasons at Carolina. So just looking at the Gamecocks and recent success, what do you see going down in Columbia, Walker Mayo? That you got to be happy with what Shane Beamer has been able to do in Columbia. And man, it really came about at the end of last season. The fact that you're able to end on a high note with the way that Spencer Rattler played, because I think for the most part, it was disappointing up until those last couple of games. And if he didn't have those outings against Tennessee, against Clemson, then you might not even want Spencer Rattler back. But it's a very much what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of society. And what he did was he won a couple of games against monster SEC opponents, including your biggest rival that you have. And so the fact that he was able to play his best games at the end of the season, go for as much yardage as he did, throw some dimes, especially against Tennessee, especially against Tennessee, Spencer was very good. You go from 7-6 and six to 8-5 and five, to now you feel like you're in a pretty good spot if you're a South Carolina fan. So I think... Right now, you got to be pleased with Shane Beamer. How about a 19th final ranking at the end of last season? So you finish within the top 25. Yeah, man, I think you have to be feeling good. And now you're just hoping that Spencer can do what he did the last two games or anything close to that. You're hoping that he can do that more consistently and give you some really productive performances in the first month, second month, and so on, and not wait until the grand finale. Yeah, I think this is a program that they definitely want to get back to where they were uh, at points during the Steve Spurrier area where Coach Spare, uh, Steve Spurrier era where he had three straight 11 win seasons down there in Columbia and was a real uh, SEC contender down in those parts, even though they had a hard time getting to the SEC championship game. But I think they'll take 11 wins any way that they can get them. Uh, I thought it was a very lackluster hire when they brought in Will Muschamp as the head coach. I never uh, was a big fan of that hire at all, even though he did take them to three bowl games and he did have a nine and four season in 2017 but I feel like Shane Beamer is a guy we know the lineage his father Frank as far as what he did at Virginia Tech program builder I think I see a lot of that in Shane Beamer as well when you look at the recruiting that he's been able to do as of late he's getting some big time prospects down there to Columbia I think the direction that this program is going and I think all around he's just a very likable guy when you hear his mm-hmm. post game interviews and you hear 
hear uh, the demeanor that he has. He strikes me as a guy that really cares about his kids, and he's really trying to build this thing the right way. And I think it was very huge uh, for them as far as momentum for them to end the season the way that they did. Nobody saw that drubbing that they put on Tennessee at home coming. I mean, they really put it on them. And then for them to go into Death Valley and to get a win uh, to end their regular season, I thought those were big-time statement games from him. And I think South Carolina is a program that's on the rise under Shane Beamer. Well, I, it's funny to see what South Carolina did at QB and to see what Clemson did at QB last year because I've often referred to DJU – not even having over 250 yards in a passing uh, passing in a game except for Wake Forest. That was the only time that he went above that mark where you even go to Spencer Rattler. He had 377 yards against Arkansas, second game of the season. But it would be until Tennessee, November 19th. So that's second game of the season, September 10th against Arkansas, he throws for 370. Here are his other passing yard totals. 118 versus Georgia. 187, 212, 177, 168, 171, 200 on the mark, 145. I mean, Wes, up until Tennessee, he didn't even throw for 215 passing yards again for what was in basically the rest of the college football season until, bang, you go off for 438 against the fifth-ranked Tennessee Vols, 438, and then 360 on the road against Clemson. I mean, what a massive turnaround. You even throw for 246 against Notre Dame, which was more than what he was doing outside of Arkansas. I think that's what you're hoping for, right? If you're South Carolina, you're hoping, okay, that was the guy that was the Heisman hopeful at Oklahoma. It didn't work out the second year when Caleb Williams takes the job. Then he transfers to South Carolina, really wasn't working out for a large portion of this season until the very end. The big-time opponents came up, and you beat them. You went you won 63 to 38, 31 to 30 against those opponents. That that's what you're hoping for that Rattler can give you something a little more consistent and he can be that guy that performed from November 19th on. Yeah, and this is a program especially with their location. They have a lot of access uh, to recruits, and when you look at their 2023 signing class, according to 247, they were 16th in the country, brought in 11 four-stars, and also uh, brought in a five-star recruit in Nick Harbor, who a lot of people are very, very high on this young man. 6'5", 225, running that 100-meter dash out there in the low 10. So this is a tremendous athlete and a tremendous gift from them, and uh, I think they're you know, really starting to get the requisite talent to put them up in the upper echelon of the SEC. And so when you look at especially them having the benefit of being in the East, I get Georgia is over there. Tennessee is on the rise as well. But this is a uh, division that they can make some hay in there. I think if they can get the requisite recruits, especially quarterback, that's always been the big conundrum with yeah. the Gamecocks is that they can get pretty much everything else that they need. They seem to always have a solid defense. They have good skill players, but they can't ever really seem to find that big-time quarterback. We'll see if Spencer Rattler indeed is the guy for them. 
But uh, and as far as just him continuing the success that he had, especially late in the year when he was able to get some of those big wins. But I like the direction that Beamer's going. Uh, I think he has a chance because when you talk about his dad and what he was able to do in Blacksburg, not sure that he would be in Columbia as long as his dad was in Blacksburg. But I think that he could definitely uh, build this program and get them up into the conversation in the SEC even though Clemson has made it tough for them, but I still think that uh, he's doing a great job, and I think he'll get as many recruits as he's losing based on what we're seeing so far. Well, they hit the ground running, too. I mean, they started with Georgia State last year. They start with North Carolina on Saturday with a 7.30 kick on ABC here in the city of Charlotte. So against North Carolina this time, you could hit the ground running. Shane Beamer actually talked about this on the Kyle Bailey Show discussing how big it is for college game day to start the year at the Duke's Mayo Bowl because of this matchup that the Gamecocks have with the Heels. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, when when this game was announced, and, or excuse me, when you knew you were playing this game uh, and you start looking at the schedule around college football week one and who's playing on Saturday, I, I thought there was honestly a decent chance that they would come. And then, uh, you know, as you talk to different people with ESPN over the last couple months, you know it's on their radar uh, as a possibility, and then to find out definitively this week was great news. Um, it's a great testament, obviously, uh, to Coach Brown and Drake May and, and uh, the Tar Heels and the team they have and the excitement that there is about their program and their team in the 2023 season, but then also ours as well. Uh, it's a great opportunity for both programs. It's a great uh, opportunity for the city of Charlotte and Danny Morrison and everything that he does from an athletics or a sports standpoint there in, in, in town. So it, it's exciting. Uh, it's a great way to kick off the year. All eyes of college football will be you know, on, on Charlotte and on the Gamecocks and Tar Heels that day. And as you said at the beginning, I mean, uh, we've got a bunch of Gamecocks uh, there in the Charlotte area, and we need to uh, we need to make sure there's uh, all kinds of garnet and black uh, throughout Bank of America Stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous game, and I think it's always important uh, for South Carolina anytime they can go into another state just to further the profile. I mean, especially when you talk about them coming into North Carolina, as fertile as North Carolina's been from a recruiting standpoint, so I'm sure uh, they're excited about anytime they get a chance to uh, especially get into the Tar Heel State to get in front of those recruits. No doubt. I, I think the fact that you have a matchup between both of these programs that are in somewhat similar spots right now, I mean, yeah, you just want to let, make that next step for South Carolina. Can you get the QB play where it's with North Carolina? I guess that's an opposite angle, but North Carolina has the QB and they just got to get everything else up to par. And if that can happen, then uh, it'll be a monster win to start your season off with for either one of these programs. All right. Well, when we come back, other takeaways from Carolina's preseason final talking about those Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. The early returns coming out of Philadelphia, they're the only franchise to fire a doc for a nurse. It's Wes. That was pretty good. I got to give it up. And Walker. I really like that. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'm ashamed good. to tell you how much I like it, but I do. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Thank you very much, Fiddy. He'll be here all week, folks. Listening to Weston Walker on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Did want to report out there, we mentioned it in the last segment, that there is an armed and dangerous person around the campus of UNC Chapel Hill, according to multiple media outlets and an alert from the school. There are plenty of outlets reporting on this, but Joe Bruno, you have WB, uh, WCB as well, also reporting on this. So just pick a publication to try to figure out exactly what's going on. But what's happening from our vantage point right now is that UNC sent in a brief statement just after 2 p.m. that the campus was on lockdown as the active assailant situation continued. UNC Chapel Hill did release a tweet as well. If you follow them on Twitter, you can follow them at UNC. Students and staff were told to shelter in place and lock all doors and windows. Police have not said if a suspect is in custody yet. There have been some varying reports that there is a suspect in custody. Some outlets are reporting that there is not one in custody. But right now, the most important thing to know is that police have not said if there is a suspect in custody as of yet. Information has not been made available about any possible injuries to this standpoint. It's a developing story. You can check back for updates here as well as we will be trying to update as far as any new information comes in. Obviously, our best thoughts and well wishes are going on and going forth to Chapel Hill and hopefully everybody is staying as safe as possible. If you know somebody in Chapel Hill and they might not know about the situation for one reason or another, they'll uh, try to contact them and make sure that they understand the situation at hand because you do have a shelter in place situation right now in Chapel Hill. Again, we will update you on the situation as information comes about. We'll move on ever so awkwardly as often sometimes this bad stuff will happen that we do want to update people on. But again, we just have no other information at this standpoint. We will talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers and their preseason finale. While the preseason did bring you some bad and some good, I think the good that you look at right now with the Carolina Panthers, you're discussing Bryce Young. You're looking at Bryce Young throw a touchdown pass. You got to see him connect with Adam Thielen, the guy that is the default wide receiver one for this Panthers team, the guy that is most accomplished so far in his NFL career. We got to see that come to fruition in this last game, but the bad being that the offensive line did not perform extremely well probably the best that they have played over the first over, you know, better than the first two games. I would say Icky Kwanu is still a problem. Wes, overall, were you, were you feeling better after this game, after what you had seen the first two preseason contests or was all the progress Bryce had actually mitigated because of the offensive line was specifically with Icky Kwanu? I feel like it's more, and you know, I'm never one to ride the fence, but I feel like it was more of a wait and see approach. I was a little bit indifferent at the end of the day. Uh, I, I did think there were good takeaways. Like I said, watching Bryce, and what he was able to do is just like I said, you just really wanted to see it where it counts. Because when we saw it against really good competition, i.e. the Jets or the Giants and the defensive line and the front seven that they presented, 
there were a lot of struggles there. And so I guess you could get discouraged. And then Detroit to find out pregame that there'll be no Aiden Hutchinson and uh, different guys like that in their front seven that you felt like could really challenge and you could get a little bit more clear picture of what we're going to see here as far as especially Ike Aquino getting to redeem himself against one of the uh, better young players in the league if he got a shot at Hutchinson or uh, no matter the case. So I think that that was a frustration frustrating part. So I would say uh, that I was a little bit indifferent. Uh, I just like as far as just the actual throws from a technical standpoint, the placement, the anticipation and things that Bryce played with. I think you saw a a glimpse of what it can be. Uh, But as far as Adam Thielen, I like what you see from him, him coming out and showing that he will more than likely be the de facto number one wide receiver. Uh, No telling what you're going to get from DJ Chark when he comes back. Can he stay healthy? Is he going to be ready to go? But six catches for 63 yards over a preseason and that touchdown from Adam Thielen. I think you saw uh, the route running and him being able to get open and looking like a sure-handed target for Bryce. I think that's definitely something you can uh, put into your pipe and smoke it, so to say, for Carolina going forward as far as a guy that's going to be a threat uh, out there as a receiver. Yeah, do you think he locked that up? Can you even do such a thing in the preseason when you expect there to be so much of the wealth spread because of the receivers that you have on this squad? Or did we see Adam Thielen, four receptions, the touchdown catch, even after missing, I don't know how many snaps, but some, because we all thought he was injured for a little while, didn't know if he would come back. He did, and then still had a few receptions after he was initially taken off the field. Do you think this game did portray, yeah, this guy is the number one wide receiver on this squad? Yeah, I do, and I think when you talk about the the versatility that he brought, he had 19 snaps in the slot, 10 out wide. Uh, So you talk about a guy that they can use in a lot of different areas to be able to get it 10 and a half yards of catch for an old guy. I'm doing uh, air quotes when Mm -hmm. I say that for an old guy, but he was out there, man. He he showed that he can be that guy. As I said, Chark, I think he's certainly going to contribute when he comes back. But I think as far as a guy that's already developing that chemistry with Bryce, already showing that he's going to be a guy that can get open and make catches consistently. I think that's what Bryce Young has seen from Adam Thielen just thus far. What kind of season do you expect for Adam Thielen? Same as I said before. I think if he stays healthy, he can get 1,000 yards, especially with it being 17 games now. Uh, If he can come out and just continue to play the way that he's been playing, I think that he gets to 1,000 yards. I think when you look at catch-wise from a reception standpoint, I could see him – I could see him 80, 80 catches or better. So I I think, you know, we've disagreed on the 1,000, but we don't disagree on him being wide receiver number one, certainly heading into the season. It's been since 2018 he posted a season above 1,000 yards. He had 113 receptions in 2018. 2019, he only had 30 receptions. You are talking about missed games in these last few seasons, and he's just getting older within the last five years, of course. 74 receptions for 925 yards is the closest closest he's gotten since that 2018 campaign. He did have a lot of touchdown receptions. This is something we might not be talking about uh, enough, Wes. So if he doesn't reach 1,000, maybe he isn't even wide receiver number one when it comes to total yards. But if we're talking about touchdown catches, that hadn't really fallen off the last few years. In fact, the most he's had was 2020 when he had 14 touchdown receptions. In 2021, he only had 726 receiving yards, but he had 10 touchdown catches, 10 of them. And then he had six even last year. Six would be fine this year. I'll take six. 
especially with somebody like your number one wide receiver of yesteryear and DJ Moore, not necessarily putting up a ton of touchdown numbers, but DJ Moore, the most he put up was six. So if you got Adam Thielen coming in and that's the low end, and that's still something that would be better than a lot of other years from your number one wideout. Maybe that's the biggest impact he's going to provide in the red zone when maybe you don't need a really, you know, you don't need the deepest route ever run from Adam Thielen, but he's able to create just a little bit of separation inside the red zone. Then maybe that's where he's going to help this team as much as any. And we saw the touchdown reception in this final preseason game. Yeah. And I think this is the guy, too, when you talk about an offensive line that is struggling the way that they are. And if this continues, you need a guy that can get open and get open like now. And I think that's the thing that Thielen also brings uh, to this team as well is that he's a guy that can get open uh, on the quicker, short to intermediate routes that can provide Bryce that guy that he can find maybe when it gets a little hot back there. Now the downside to that is if, you know, defenses pick up on the fact that, hey, we're not being threatened anywhere else. That's where Chark is going to come in and be big. That's where Mingo's going to come in and be big because teams will start to sit on some of those short to intermediate routes that Adam Thielen's going to run, and that could possibly eliminate him in some scenario. So they definitely need to get Chark back because Mingo, he definitely looks good in, in the spots that we've seen him, but I'm not sure that he's at a place now in the offense to where he can consistently uh, get out there and be a pass catcher for Bryce Young at this juncture. I think it's going to go as the season continues. He'll get more and more comfortable out there because we just haven't seen him targeted enough, and I think that points to maybe – him not being quite ready to get out there and catch all the passes that he's going to at some point. Uh, So I think that chart coming back uh, is going to be huge for them. Let's talk about the edge rushers. Interesting position opposite of Brian Burns. YGM didn't provide a big impact play this preseason. I can't think of one where I thought, oh, okay, there he is, right? We didn't have the Amari Barno moment that he had in a couple of the preseason games. DJ Johnson got a QB hit in. And against Detroit. So there was one. I think there were 35 passing attempts late in the game. DJ Johnson did get in the backfield and provide some pressure. Where are you on both YGM and DJ Johnson, a couple of guys in the mix, to play significant snaps opposite of Brian Byrne? I mean, on YGM, you'd like to see him get a little bit more uh, as far as just getting a sack or two. But other than that, I thought DJ Johnson – I think he did a good job for himself in Friday's game, and he finishes the the preseason with uh, four hurries. He got a quarterback hit as well, so I think he flashed and showed you that he that he can do a little bit. Also, have five pressures uh, when you talk about his overall preseason. So I, I I feel like you are starting to get some progression out of DJ Johnson, but the jury's still out. And then YGM, I just you know I just think that he's going to be a jag, just a guy. Like, I, I don't see much from him as far as him stepping in and being uh, some big contributor. So a lot's going to fall on Justin Houston as far as what he's going to bring to the table. Marquise Haynes as well is definitely a guy that, that's going to be counted on because I just don't think at this point you're going to see the production from YGM that a lot of people thought that they would when he was drafted out of Penn State. All right, so we have a couple of young players with YGM, DJ Johnson. Let's go to an older player on the roster. We got to see Andy Dalton for the first time in this game against Detroit veteran success in the NFL 
goes six of 11 for 60 yards, but had the interception. It was a great play. I believe it was, was it Gilmore who picked that off? Or maybe that was, yes, a little, it was okay. Gilmore's little brother. So, so Gilmore was able to intercept the pass in the red zone for Mandy Dalton, but a red zone turnover, it's among the bigger mistakes that you can make in a football game, especially from the QB position just taking the life out of what could have been another scoring drive. It was a great play, although, you know, still, you put that pass in harm's way. What do we think about Andy Dalton and his only outing of the preseason? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't phenomenal, but at the end of the day, it's like he's a proven commodity at this point as far as you're talking about a backup quarterback. I mean, 6 of 11 with a pick. Andy Dalton's a vet, man. He's he's done it all, seen it all. So nobody's expecting him to come in and look like Patrick Mahomes by any stretch of the imagination. You expect to get solid football, albeit up and down at times from Andy Dalton. So I don't take much from this performance. I think Andy Dalton's just a vet that at the end of the day, you don't want him to have to start for you for more than maybe two or three games if necessary. So one thing that I did think we were going to be talking about on a Monday was – the Panthers not allowing the quarterback to go off on him. The starters did that. The starters did not allow the QB to go off on them. But still, Teddy Bridgewater had a 13 of 22 passing performance, 178 yards total. The long touchdown pass that he had to Antoine Green at the end of the first half, which was deflating, but the starters were out at that point. You're talking about the secondary giving up what was a long touchdown pass, but again, I don't. You didn't have the starters out at that breakdown in the game against the Lions. Nate Sudfeld came in, only threw five passes, 17 yards total. All that being said, Wes, what did you make of the way that the secondary performed where you do have a lot of passing yards for Teddy Bridgewater, who played a lot of snaps, 22 passing attempts is a lot in the preseason. What did you make of what the secondary did? Uh, yeah, I think that that's also another area that you can look to as something that needs to be shored up. And I know it's going to be a byproduct of the pass rush. And we didn't see a ton of that as far as just uh, hardcore sacks from the the starters when they were in the game. And so you look at it, they give up six touchdowns to one interception in the preseason, 10 yards a catch and 688 yards. And so I think those are numbers that you definitely didn't want to see uh, in those zones when you talk about this this pass defense and uh, what they did to try to improve it, bringing in Von Bell. And uh, we know some of the other things that they did. So I think that's also something uh, to look at going forward because – you're not quite sure yet if this is going to be a Carolina team that is going to vastly improve uh, upon them being in the bottom tiers in the league when you talk about sacks by. And so they're going to really uh, need that pass rush because especially for teams this preseason, it definitely looked fairly easy for them to be able to throw the football around and get what they wanted. It's not anything that I'm crazy worried about. Dante Jackson played very well in the first game. Got to see him play real well in the first game. Now got injured. That's what I'm always worried about. Nothing happened in the preseason, but it does look like he'll be ready to go. This is not a DJ Chark situation where it's going to be, you know, game time along with Terrace Marshall. Looks like he'll be okay to go at least in game number one. J.C. Horn, you know how good I feel about him going out there. So we already felt bad about the depth, but also (laughs) you're putting out C.J. Henderson, Keith Taylor, the guys that didn't perform well when they got snaps last year, and you're putting them out with a pass rush that the best the best pressure guy is who? A YGM or Amari Barno out there? 
and Mari Barno, I know he was hurt earlier this week in practice. So you're even talking about your best three pass rushers, Marquise Haynes, Justin Houston. It all starts with Brian Burns, a Derek Brown, not even in the mix. Hell, are you without your best five pass rushers? And then the depth, the lack thereof in the secondary, dealing with no help up front. So in a regular season game, when C.J. Henderson is in the mix, or if Keith Taylor or whoever, if they're in the mix, then you're hoping they're going to be dealing with Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and Marquise Haynes. No, it's not a great sign, but also that's just such a big variable. It's such a big variable you're talking about with those QBs on the opposite side, not having to worry about your first, second, third stringer. If you're to pick who's going to have the most sacks this, this season, what are you talking about? The first four guys not playing in Brown, Burns, Marquise Haynes, and Justin Houston? I would say so. I would say in any order with Burns being at the top, I'd say your top four sack artists this year aren't playing. That's not going to be helping your lack of depth in the secondary. No, it's not. And that's a tremendous factor. As you said, we're going to see what it looks like once they all get out there on the football field together. Uh, But as I said, still, you wanted to see more from some of those backups. But again, we'll see how it looks when Burns and the big dogs get out there and they can get after the quarterback. Last Fitty Flash of the day before we get to the last segment of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? We got a 704 number asking if the Panthers could add some wide receiver depth via trade. What about maybe adding another pass rusher via trade? Uh, Eagles defensive end uh, Derek Barnett. And his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, they are gauging the trade market as he wants to go to a place where he doesn't doesn't have to compete with the guys like Nolan Smith, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. It makes a lot of sense why he wants out of Philadelphia. Uh, His best year came back in 2019, six and a half sacks, 22 quarterback hits, 10 tackles for loss. Is coming off an ACL injury last year and injured his thumb in training camp. But we've seen Carolina be aggressive. We like the addition of Justin Houston. There is concerns about how much he has left in the tank. Would you see Carolina getting in on Derek Barnett if he were made available by the Eagles? I remember when he was in the draft, he was such an interesting guy to evaluate because he was a technician, but also didn't have any athleticism, speaking of the other first-round edge rushers that you would take. So, technician, great guy with any kind of move that you wanted him to display. He had it. But then when you get to the NFL, there are a lot of people that subscribe to the theory, if you don't run anything better than a 4-5, or five, then I ain't going to get you in the first round. You need premier athleticism to go within the top 10 or the top even 32 overall selections. And Derek Barnett has been somebody that's been a good rotational pass rusher, but didn't have the breakout you know, 10-sack season or even 9-sack season. I don't know if I'm giving up any asset to go get him. Even with us not having the greatest depth at pass rusher, don't know if this is the guy that I'm going to give up draft picks in order to go get and shore that up. No, not at all. I mean, six seasons, 21 and a half sacks the last three seasons. I mean, he went five and a half, 2.0, and none last season. So, no, I think you uh, leave him be. All right. Sounds good. On the pass rusher conversation, no Derek Barnett for us. We do have a final segment to give you, though. On Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. segment on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We had a question a little while ago. Didn't really read a lot of the text messages that came in, but we'll end the show with this. 704-570-9610. Favorite recess game, whether it be at the playground, on the blacktop, on the diamond, wherever you had your recess, wherever you were going, what was your favorite game? Wes hit us with a monkey bar basketball game. Where you would find whatever loop you wanted to throw the basketball through, and that was your bucket. And that's how you played monkey bar basketball. I had never heard of this. Fiddy had never heard of it. But other people did. Hornets Ron. Monkey bar basketball brings back some memories. James from North Charlotte unlocked a core memory with the basketball through the monkey bars thing. A lot of people felt you on that. I had never heard of it before. Yeah, man, it's a fun game. You got to make do with what you can, man. We were a bunch of uh, sports junkies Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And so, you know, we were like, well, if we have to be out here at the playground, let's make the best of it and let's play a little basketball. The dunk contests were the best, though. Sure. I'm. uh, Yeah, Yeah, the dunk contests were great. Everybody would be watching and then, you know. So we had, (laughs) uh, actually, what we did was even lamer, and they built something in. I I actually didn't like playing basketball at recess because we didn't have a legitimate basketball goal. Uh And so what happened was they gave you the blue bucket. Maybe it was a different color for other people, but they gave you a blue bucket, and they had four different outings on each side. One hole had plus two, one had minus two, one was plus one, one was minus one. So whatever hole the basketball came out of, that was your score. Uh. And so nobody even really abided by that. It was real weird. If you did play, then it was all about did you put it in the bucket or not. And it was so easy because you could just throw it in. There was It was such a big bucket. That's all we had. But we would rather play something else. So other recess games that people <laughs> wrote in here. Uh, 704-570-9610, Gas House Daddy, how about the backwards flips off the swings? I couldn't give you a flip, but I'd get pretty high on my launches. Did like going with the swing. Yes, the swing was fun, but I never tried to flip off of it. I never tried to flip. Only would get major air, but if I flipped, then I was going to break my neck and it wasn't going to be good. 704, Chris from Charlotte said, kickball, no question. I think kickball is just yeah, elite. Kickballs. Doesn't matter who you One ask. Dodgeball, too. 100%. That's an 864 mention. Jimmy Coffey said dodgeball in the gym on rainy days. That was a saving grace. If you could not go outside, then it was okay to go indoors and play some dodgeball, or that's where you'd play some basketball. Casey Steve said wiffle ball in the gym on a rainy day was great. 
hit one up in the folded up bleachers, made it seem like hitting in an upper deck in the MLB stadium as a kid. Yeah, it was always nice if you had that marker that you could hit the baseball further than and then act like Ken Griffey Jr., something I like doing. Did your gym coach ever get to the point where he just, you know, you go a few weeks in a row where he just rolled the basketballs out and just let oh, you yeah. just go at? Oh, that, that was the best. Well, in high school, well, PE class, it wasn't recess, but when you had PE and it was exam week, and it was finals, and you were about to switch semesters, or it was about to be the end of the year. The last two weeks, it's all basketball. It's straight basketball. We used to play straight series. Like, it was like NBA. Like, y'all up 2-1, we're coming back to get it today. Uh, we have some <laughs> We have some jump the creek mentions. Fluke Juki, Joe Gibbs Jr. I don't think I ever played that. Jailbreak was a form of dodgeball that I absolutely loved. 803 has captured the flag. That one's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, Cackalack with... Not a basketball game in general. Well, it is, but not necessarily going five on five. Knockout is elite. Yeah, yeah. it's great. You like that one, Fitty? Talk to me. Talk to me with me seducing you with the game of <laughs> knockout. I mean, whenever I go home, we still play that. Now, when you get like four or five and you're overweight, it's not as much fun. Because, <laughs> because after like the third time, I'm, I'm pretty much bent over, sucking for wind. But yeah, in high school... I mean, you would play like 15, 20 minute games. And so, yeah, that, that was, that was always great. So knockout, if, if you got to the final two and you were in front of the person and everything had died down to where you both had your basketballs, you knew it was going to be an uphill climb to make your free throw, get the rebound, get back behind the person so you could have the advantage. And once, once you accomplished it, it felt like you just won game seven of the NBA finals down by 20 points. You played from the foul line. We always did. We, we, we shot three pointers. We, we did foul line for the most part. We would do both, but for the most part, it was foul line. We one time tried to do it from half court and, uh, Oh yeah. that's tough. <laughs> How do you even win? I mean, I, the, the half court sinker would be great. I mean, I had like seven of them. I'm sure you did. And then you right. tore your ACL and yeah. then your career was over. Uh, we had a bunch of wall ball mentions. Wall ball was fantastic. You love wall ball. That's something that that hit home a little bit more for you than a lot of the other ones. Did you ones. ever used to play hops where you would take a ball and then you just pass it back and forth to each other, but you had to jump? I drank hops. You had to jump, though, when you did it, and then if you failed, you lost? I think we called it taps, but maybe taps. Right. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, taps. All right. Yep. Yeah. So we called it taps, but we did play that. Yeah, Buckhead writing in twenty one tap. That was a that one I like more than taps. anything. Yeah. When when taps you would have when you would have your friend at like nineteen, and then you tapped it in, and then you sent him right back down all the way to zero. That was phenomenal. <laughs> now some people would do the fifteen point threshold, but that was that was like you're ready to swing on someone. Especially you have those people that would hang out near the goal. Other people would shoot, and then they would only wait to tap you, and then sure enough, they would send you to zero after you scored 19. That was always brutal. Not very fun. 704. You're a duck, duck, goose guy? Uh, maybe when I was five years old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you I, got five, to... I mean, we did it probably up until, I remember in middle school doing duck, duck, goose mm -hmm. before. Yeah, I don't know if we played that late. I wanted to do some other stuff at that point, but I did like Duck, Duck, Goose. What I, other stuff? Basketball. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Yeah, we did middle that too. School, and those Fiddy. football games, too, in middle <laughs> school, too, when they would take you down to the field. I used to play quarterback out there, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. You know, Now, maybe not when we were shooting at the court up for <laughs> Panthers training camp. <laughs>
I should have played quarterback, but I can see it a little bit. That's all right. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. We're going to pass off the baton to the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Keep it right here. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.